You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Business email compromise scores big in Central Europe. More SWIFT fraud and a security ultimatum from SWIFT to its members. Vanya the Ripper is on the lam from Thai police. iMessaging issues surface. Serbear ransomware is being spread by Word documents. Adobe's hotfix swats a cold fusion bug. Rohammer attacks are shown to be a real possibility. Election hacking and influence operations. And a tip. If you look good for your mugshot, you won't be tempted to Facebook a more flattering one to the authorities. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 1st, 2016. Two revelations of fraudulent fund transfers lead cybercrime news. The first is a variant of the familiar yet still very dangerous business email compromise. In mid-August, German wire manufacturer Leone AG lost roughly $44.6 million when personnel at a Romanian facility followed instructions in a spoofed email. The money apparently wound up in accounts in the Czech Republic. The incident is noteworthy because Leone had a number of safeguards in place to prevent exactly this sort of loss. But the criminals had done their homework and crafted an email that not only appeared to be from an executive authorized to make such a request, but also gave every appearance of having passed through the company's policy and security gates. And SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, is back in the news. Earlier this year, the financial sector's international funds transfer network witnessed fraud against member banks in Bangladesh, Vietnam, and Ecuador, with some of the attempts also touching German and U.S. banks. It has now, Reuters reports, again warned its members that more fraudulent money transfers have been observed and that some of them were successful. The scope of the latest attacks is unknown, but SWIFT has given its members an ultimatum. Update to the latest version of SWIFT software by November 19th or be reported to regulatory authorities and banking partners. Reuters says that weak local security was exploited to compromise local networks and then send bogus messages requesting money transfers, some of which were apparently filled. Such incidents offer a number of lessons, not the least of which are the importance of network segmentation and privileged account management. Commenting directly on the SWIFT disclosure and warning, Shane Stevens, Vasco Data Security's Director of Omnichannel Identity and Trust Solutions, told the CyberWire that, quote, SWIFT got a wake-up call finally for its decision to stay with passwords, end quote. Stevens noted that while SWIFT has worked to strengthen passwords, the password itself represents a dead-end line of development in three decades of authentication technology. He also commented that organizations like SWIFT present a large attack surface, Quote, with so many attack vectors, it was just a matter of time before SWIFT became a focal point for cyber criminals. End quote. He characterized the financial sector as more reactive than one would like to see them be. It seems that hardly a week goes by without news of a new or newly discovered data breach. 
We spoke with Centrify's Senior Director of Products, Corey Williams, about data breaches and his insights on the recent Sage Software data breach. Well, Sage is an interesting company. They're one of the largest software companies uh, in the UK uh, with over 6 million small and medium-sized businesses, um, and they provide software for things like payroll and accounting and CRM. Uh, What we've heard so far about the, the, the Sage data breach is that it's affected the information related to somewhere in the neighborhood of 280, 300 of those individual businesses, although that number may change as it's very early on in the investigation. Um, And allegedly, the breach was conducted using a Sage employee account. So it's not known whether this was uh, indeed some sort of insider doing something that they shouldn't be doing or whether it was uh, some sort of outside attack that was leveraging a compromised employee account. What are the ramifications of this breach? Well, it's interesting. Sage has been on a tear lately. If you look at their stock price, it's it, it recently hit a 16-year high, um, and uh, and they've been have been performing very well in the market. Just the news alone has caused the share price to dip four five percent, you know, at last glance. And so, at a minimum, it's it's affecting the shareholders of, of Sage. But interestingly, um, there's probably longer-term ramifications. Um, Centrify recently did a study uh, with uh, over 2,000 participants in the U.S. and U.K. Basically said that over two-thirds of the respondents uh, of of, of consumers um, are likely to stop doing business with organizations that have been breached. So potentially the the, the damage to, uh, to this could last for a while. And and so, what are some of the things that Sa- that Sage could have done to protect themselves against this sort of thing? Many of these data breach stories, and, and it appears that Sage is is the same. Um, it, is it, it has to do with the misuse of someone's credentials. Uh, they're logging into systems they shouldn't have access to, whether they're an insider or they're a malicious outsider. So, one of the first things you can do is is immediately establish better what we call identity assurance. It's sort of the lowest hanging fruit to ensure that people are logging in as themselves. And passwords just aren't sufficient for that anymore. Our modern modern companies today are using uh, multi-factor authentication uh, everywhere that they can. And the nice thing about multi-factor authentication is a password by itself um, can't be used to compromise access. You actually have to have the user's device or some other uh, fingerprint um, or, or so on. And so that's sort of the, the lowest hanging fruit is to immediately use MFA everywhere. Now, what's interesting is that MFA hasn't been de- uh, widely deployed because it has a stigma of being hard to use. But multi-factor authentication in the past year, I believe, um, has, has really grown to be much easier to deploy and manage uh, on a widespread basis. So there's really no excuse. Certainly consumers have, uh, have started to adopt it. Um, businesses should be adopting multi-factor as well. That's Corey Williams from Centrify. ATM and point-of-sale hacking continues. Police in Thailand have a be-on-the-lookout alert for a 20-something Russian they believe was responsible for draining ATMs in that country of about $350,000, with the use of malware FireEye has called Ripper. The suspect is unnamed, we'll call him for convenience, Vanya the Ripper, and he's thought to have had at least two accomplices. According to FireEye, Ripper is installed using a malicious EMV chip, insert, install, and steal. Microsoft warns that attackers are exploiting Word vulnerabilities. Weaponized documents are now spreading Cerber ransomware and password-stealing Trojans through Betabot. It's a new kind of threat, but it's reminiscent of old-school malicious macros. Adobe patched Cold Fusion with a hotfix Tuesday. 
Users are advised to apply the patch. The XML external entity injection vulnerability is a real one. Several interesting proof-of-concept attacks indicate a shift toward physical exploitation of hardware. Google researchers showed how a Rowhammer attack, exploiting a condition researchers noticed in 2014, can use electromagnetic leakage across rows of transistors to achieve a degree of control over a device. In an excursion into cyber metaphysics, Wired observes that we're accustomed to understanding information systems in metaphorical terms, file, window, memory, etc., but that such newer demonstrations represent a move down and away from metaphorical abstractions. U.S. states continue to worry about and possibly improve voting security. Vermont thinks it's covered, North Carolina wants federal help, and many worry about the implications of federalizing elections. Technology Review thinks that direct manipulation of election results is less likely than most people think, but influencing such results through information operations is a different matter. Russia continues to play an information operations long game with respect to U.S. and other Western elections. It seems to be doing so directly and deniably, as through the Guccifer 2.0 sock puppets, and with the aid of effective fellow travelers. The New York Times observes that, independent as WikiLeaks may be, objectively, as the old Pravda might have put it, Assange's operation is nicely aligned with Russian interests. And finally, we like to keep up with recurring themes. Social media are well known for the disinhibition they induce in their users, and that disinhibition works especially powerfully, it often seems, on those who've run afoul of the law. We've heard of burglars posting their next planned capers on Facebook, of wanted felons responding to notices that a rare Charizard can be found in a police station, of muggers using stolen phones to ask their victims for dates. Today's news in this vein comes from Australia, where a young woman arrested on suspicion of property crimes took it on the lam, allegedly, we must say, from a Sydney jail. The police posted a wanted notice, and she politely Facebooked them to ask that they use a more flattering mugshot. She helpfully provided a new picture. There's some closure to the story. She's now back in custody. We hope the magistrate tempers justice with a little bit of mercy. We await further news from the Sydney PD. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland, also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan saw a story come by this week that um, Matthew Green, a, a researcher at Johns Hopkins University, uh, has found some vulnerabilities in Apple's iMessage uh, encryption protocol. Uh, what do you make of this discovery? Well, I think it was quite interesting. Uh, actually, the main attack that they showed uh, was what's called a chosen ciphertext attack where what that basically considered is a situation where an attacker uh, eavesdrops and gets some ciphertext and can then pose as a legitimate user and send related ciphertext to the server, to the Apple server, and see their decryption. And uh, even though it sounds kind of contrived, this kind of a scenario can occur in practice. And what Green uh, and, and his collaborators showed was that they were able to use such an attack to actually recover the uh, original encrypted message. And so part of the point they were making in this uh, in this article and, and in this research was that um, that Apple sort of rolled their own when it came to coming up with this encryption, and that may not be such a good idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you know it's kind of funny because uh, these chosen ciphertext attacks are something that I give as a course project in my undergraduate cryptography class, and it's sort of well known by now, number one, that these attacks are possible, and number two, how to defend against them. And so it's kind of surprising that uh, Apple engineers weren't aware of this, apparently, when they designed their protocol. Uh, and like you said, it's exactly another uh, you know, uh, indication of why people shouldn't roll their own crypto, but should really be using standardized and uh, off-the-shelf sort of protocols. And so what are the advantages of using standardized and, and off-the-shelf protocols? Well, I mean, basically, one of the advantages is, number one, that they uh, have been designed with sort of knowledge of these various attacks, like these chosen ciphertext attacks, and, and uh, they've been developed to protect against them. Uh, and more than that, they've also been analyzed by the community. So they, they're, they're publicized, uh, they're analyzed, they're uh, constructed in a very careful way uh, in order to be secure. And with Apple, what, you know, what, what they did, they actually not only did they roll their own, but they also kept, it, uh, kept the details of their protocol hidden. So as part of their work, uh, Green and his collaborators had to actually uh, spend a lot of time reverse engineering the protocol just to get it to a point where they could sit down and analyze it. And if Apple had released the details of what they were doing, then these kind of attacks might have been found much earlier, maybe even before they uh, started deploying it. So, you know, those are the advantages you get from relying on, uh, on things that other people have developed and already studied. All right, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.